and welcome to our eighth episode of Soldier of Souls. We send out our best regards to the Catholic churches of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and St. Henry's. And we also send out our heartfelt thanks to the soldiers from across the nation who have joined our travels to find and, and stay on the path of truth. We are delighted to count all of you as part of our company as we trek together in this world so that we can live life eternally with God in the next. Just a reminder, if you are finding that traveling with us is useful, we encourage you to follow us and share our podcast with your friends and family. You are our only sales force, so don't be shy about spreading the word. Hi, I'm Deacon Tim Vaughn, and the end of Lent is within sight. It's been quite a journey, one that we hope which has truly prepared you to observe the Twitterum and its glorious completion of Easter itself. Throughout Lent, we have discussed the various Lenten disciplines that are ways of transforming the essence of who we are, souls. However, the ultimate transformation event that all Christians share in common is baptism. And there's no better time to turn our attention to this sacrament than at this specific time of the Christian year. Remember the words our Lord in John 3, 5 said, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. With that in mind, please join me in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, for news for those in the pews. This podcast is being posted on Wednesday of Holy Week. This is a reminder for those who listen before Good Friday. The second Sunday of Easter is the Feast of Divine Mercy, or Divine Mercy Sunday, April 24th. The Divine Mercy Novena is prayed prior to Divine Mercy Sunday, beginning on Good Friday, April 15th. Please begin praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet Novena beginning on Good Friday, so you can finish on Divine Mercy Sunday. Many of us, perhaps even most of us, I certainly don't remember, remember the occasion of our baptism, because we were babies when we received this, this sacrament. In fact, I was only one month old. In fact, this is the first sacrament that anyone entering the church receives. It marks the soul as Christ's own forever. After baptism, one is officially Christian. Symbolically, it enacts one's own death with the old sinful self and being raised to new life through the resurrection of Jesus. However, our conversion is not completed in this one act alone. It simply begins a lifelong process 
of cooperating with God's grace to continually convert and transform our souls. A number of promises are made before baptism is performed. In the case of an infant, these promises are made by the parents and godparents on behalf of the child. Of course, there are also those who are not baptized as children and then choose, after a period of instruction, to be baptized as adults. Traditionally, these baptisms happen during Easter Vigil. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1231, states, By its very nature, infant baptism requires post-baptismal catechumenate. Not only is it there a need for instruction after baptism, but also for the necessary flowering of baptismal grace and personal growth. Children, of course, receive this post-baptismal instruction through attendance at parish school of religion, possibly at private Catholic schools, youth groups, etc. But what about those baptized as adults? Well, most parishes offer adult education classes, outside speakers, retreats, etc. Homilies at each Mass is also a source of instruction, and each of us, hopefully, chooses to do some reading, research, Bible study, and seek out individual spiritual direction on their own. Father Jeffrey Kirby, in his excellent Lenten series on the website goodcatholic.com, mentioned that whether baptism occurs in infancy or adulthood, both baptismal instruction is essential. He says, otherwise our actions would be no different than pagans, non-believers, are secularitaries. In addition to ongoing instruction in the faith, we are called upon to renew our baptismal promises at Easter Vigil and during the Easter season. In this way, we are reminded of what we have agreed to do, how we are supposed to live, and again affirm our beliefs as Catholic Christians. Let's take a look at those promises so that we are asked to reaffirm them and do so without reservation and with the greatest of zeal. The first three promises are framed as questions that are answered, I do, by the faithful. These are promises to renounce or reject the actions that separate us from God. The first question we are asked is, do you renounce sin so as to live in the freedom of God's children? I think all of us would agree that forsaking sin and embracing the freedom that God offers us as his children is a worthy goal, and a goal that we all, despite of our best intentions, fail many times to reach. Instead, we find ourselves falling back into the bondage of our passions and base desires. So how do you go about better living out this promise? The answer lies in recognition of our wrongdoing, truly repenting and returning again to right, wise relationship with God. You may want to begin this process with an act of contrition. Praying the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary can also refocus us on God's merciful love as evidence in the sacrifice of his son and bring us to true sorrow for our sins. Father Jeffrey Kirby also observes, When we come to prayer with a deliberate repentance, 
We shouldn't just simply say sorry and walk away. Let's give God the last word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him simply love you or let him challenge you or let him guide you to whatever he wills. When it comes to repenting in prayer, there are basically no wrong ways to do it. The only thing we need is a genuine heart and a real desire to turn ourselves back to our good and gracious Father. Even if our contrition is imperfect, even if we still cling to our selfishness in some ways, God will not spurn our good desires and he will bring our hearts to his own merciful heart. The second question we are asked, do you reject the lure of evil and refuse to be mastered by sin? If you thought we were all done with sin once we renounce it, well, you are wrong. Here is the hard truth. Our souls are always in a spiritual struggle against the world, the flesh and the devil. Evil will always try and beckon us away from the godly path. It will play on our weaknesses and vulnerabilities. It will seem attractive and fulfilling. It will appear to be the solution to our problems. It will promise safety, happiness, and power. And it is all lies. Peter Gong writes in goodcatholic.com, If you want to live in the freedom of the children of God, we don't just need to reject sin itself. We need to root it out of every corner of our lives, giving it no quarters, not dialoguing with sin as though we can control or outsmart it. Feeding our souls on scripture, keeping company with other Christians, and having a spiritual director that will hold us accountable in some of the ways that we can stay alert and aware of the enemy's attempt to lead us into that wide road to destruction. The third question we are asked is, do you reject Satan, the father of sin and the prince of darkness? The Catechism of the Council of Trent states, there are two, there are many who, because they do not feel the assaults of demons against them, imagine that the whole matter is fictitious. Nor is it surprising that such persons are not attacked by demons. There are no need of any temptation to overcome them since their souls have already become to his willing abode. Unfortunately, in this our modern and light age, many, whether Christian or not, have no belief in a personal evil being. We should remember, however, that Jesus himself made it very clear that the devil and other nefarious spirits exist. Whether or not we have ever had an experience of such wickedness does negate the reality. As Catholic author Genevieve Cunningham puts it, the truth remains, Satan is the enemy of our soul. He does not want us to attain eternal life. As Christians, we are called to reject him and to resist his wiles and to recognize that from the moment of our baptism, to be a true Christian is to be a spiritual warrior.
In dealing with evil, St. Peter recognized in this to be sober and to be vigilant, as it states in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. But if we are not to be fearful or fall into superstition, we need to remain calm and balanced in our judgments, keeping our focus on Jesus at all times and in all things, for it is his power that overcomes evil spirits that prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. After answering the first three questions, the faithful are asked to affirm by responding, I do, to, to three essential questions of belief that are mirrored by the Apostles' Creed. Whatever various differences may be, most Christians hold in common these basic beliefs. These are the very essence of what Christianity is. Actually, these baptismal promises preceded the Apostles' Creed and were later adapted into the Creed itself. The first question is, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Our affirmation should challenge us to think deeply about God as the Father of both everything in the universe and also of each of us personally. Remember that the prayer Jesus taught us begins, Our Father. Jesus helped us to see divine fatherhood in a completely different way. We can easily overlook the importance of this first question because it seems so simple. But this year, let us in true humility sense the immense honor of being able to have no one else than God Almighty as our Father. The next question is, do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, who was crucified, died, and was buried, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father? As with the first question dealt with the first person of the Trinity, this one deals with the second person of the Trinity, that is, God the Son. We should note that this baptismal promise asks us to affirm the specific historical events that happened particular to the persons in its distinct way. We are reminded that these were actual events that happened in our real world. We do not believe in a nice story that has a happy ending. As Father Kirby has said, this promise outlines our baptismal inheritance, which we received through Jesus Christ. He died and was buried, but he rose from the dead and is now with the Father. Remember, when we answer this question in the affirmative, we are acknowledging that we too will rise from the dead, we the sons and daughter of the Father, of God the Father. This is the reality of our baptized nature, what calls us to bring the kingdom of God to the world directly around us. And the final question is, do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? It asks us to affirm our belief in the third person of the Trinity. He who was sent by Christ at Pentecost as our comforter, advocate, guide, and protector. Remember, it is the Holy Spirit that is our voice when we have no words, who prompts our prayers and then prays in us Christ's name. 
As the Catholic author Peter Gong says so well, just as Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to be our guide, so too did he leave us the church as a visible and unmistakable sign of his presence in this world. It is there and only there that we can be sure of the forgiveness of our sins, the true unity which the mystical body of Christ, that is, the communion of saints. The Catholic Church is the Holy Spirit's tool in our own age. He guides her, guards her, unites her, and governs her. If we want to live out the true belief in the Holy Spirit, we need to look no further than the sacraments and the work of Christ's Church on earth. After these promises are affirmed by the faithful, the baptisms are performed for those persons entering the faith who later individual are admitted to communion for the first time. In subsequent weekend masses during the Easter season, the priest walks through the congregation while sprinkling the people with holy water. Again, this is a reminder of our baptism, and this year we pray that it will be carried out in an even deeper meaning for all of you. Let us now join in praying a Hail Mary for an increased gratitude of our baptismal inheritance and the continued grace to live them in our daily lives. Also keep in mind our prayers for all the new Catholics that will be coming in into the church this Easter vigil. May God bless all of them as they continue their spiritual journey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you are finding that traveling with us is useful, we encourage you to follow us and share our podcast with your friends and family. You are our only sales force, so don't be shy about spreading the word. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And remember Jesus' words, wide is the road to destruction. So we remind you to stay on the path, and we ask St. Raphael the Archangel of Travelers, God speeds you on your sojourn.